And welcome in, everybody. My name is Scott Kennedy. I'm in Atlanta. This is my co-host over here on this side. This side? This side over here. That's Nick Kendall. He's in Seattle. So we are coast to coast with your football coverage. One of the things we want to get into today is potential rookies of the year. And I say rookies because there's an offensive rookie of the year and a defensive rookie of the year. And some of the odds of betting have started to come out on who has the best odds of winning those. We want to get into that and then maybe talk about some dark horses as well. But first, let's say hello. Nick, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing pretty darn well. I'm counting down the days until Memorial Day. Uh, that's when a lot of fun kicks off for me. I got a good buddy coming out, and we're going to spend some time in the Olympics and then some time in Oregon as well. And uh, haven't spent enough time outdoors over the last few weeks, few months. So I'm looking for all that to come together. Uh, good time to be outside. Um Heat's going to break this weekend, so nice weekend for some baseball down here in the south and should be in the 70s. Nice day. And speaking of nice days, we want to say hello to some of our friends in the show. Michael Ranquillo is here. He says, good morning, Nick and Scott, on the Falcons podcast. He says, good morning, Michael. Uh, Roderick Cook coming in. He says, good afternoon. Saturday with a cake and coffee. Let the good times roll. <laughs> Absolutely. Or you just sat down with a cake and coffee. That's not a bad way to go either. Uh, Zach Powers and Roderick, where are you exactly in uh, in the UK? I couldn't, I didn't think you were London based. I thought you were a little farther north. You'll have to remind me. <clears throat> Zach Powers says good morning. He's toasting us with the coffee. Good morning to you as well, Zach. And uh, talking a little bit about Roderick says that you know Bryce Young may be great, but he'd make me nervous if if he was ours. And Roderick's a Falcons fan, and I think there's reason to be nervous for any of the quarterbacks that were taken in the first round nick um you know those first three i, I don't see a, a no doubter there's there's questions around all of them which made it you know this draft one of the more interesting drafts coming in and some big trades for non-quarterbacks uh as well and we'll get into all that and anthony evans he's already got his vote he's got he says Bijan robinson for rookie of the year and Chris Walker says, good morning, everyone. A lot of moves yesterday. Been busy. It's been busy. We've got them wrapped up on uh, allfalcons.com. Falcons sign a former New York Yankees outfielder. I'm like, wait a minute. Wasn't that Deion Sanders? <clears throat> and Roderick's in Somerset. So where is Somerset? If they don't have a, like a Premier League team, I don't know England well enough. <laughs> um, and Kevin Fitzpatrick uh, says, good morning, all. Good morning to you. And Roderick, I've been south. I, I took a train down to uh, down to Brighton for a match from London, but that's really the only place in England I've been is is London, and then that train down. So, um, but I try and keep a decent map. You know, Newcastle, Liverpool, Manchester. Keep an eye on where all those are. Um, but I don't know where Somerset is. Kevin Patrick says, "Good morning, all. Good morning to you as well, Kevin. Appreciate you being here." Southwest coast. Okay, there we go. So you're close. You're like you're like right next door. Um. So, you know, going in, we kind of figured there was a top two, Nick, for Offensive Rookie of the Year based on opportunity, talent, uh, system, that type of thing. That's that's a big one. It's not always who's going to be the best player long-term uh, is the Rookie of the Year, but it, it doesn't hurt. Uh, it, it just depends most on who's going to have the opportunity to shine. And we went off of uh, pointsbet.com, and I'll put the link in the in the. Uh, put the link in the chat so everybody knows what we're talking about real quick. And they've got their odds for their, their number one offensive rookie of the year is Atlanta Falcons, Bijan Robinson. He is plus 250, which means if you lay down $100, you would win $250 if he wins. So it's basically two and a half to one, if you think old school odds. 
What do you think about Bijan Robinson's chances and they're placing him as the betting favorite for offensive rookie of the year? I think that he would be my number one as well, given we talked about it already, the situation and the system that he's in. I mean, this offense is going to run through him. He is going to be the straw that stirs the drink hell. He's going to be the drink uh, out there in Atlanta this year. So I'm guessing there's going to be ample opportunities for him to contribute. Not And it's not just you know the rushing game also, but I think the passing game is going to be a big part of Bijan Robinson as well, given we've talked about the lack of depth in the wide receiver room in Atlanta overall. So I think Bijan being that favorite, you're not going to get incredible, you know, payout uh, if he does win uh, that one, you know, the odd, the juice, because he is a favorite. It's not like a dark horse where you bet that and you get big, big return. But I think that he's him being number one makes all the sense in the world. And the top two, I agree with completely. But if I was, if all, if it was all even, and I had to just pick one, it would be Bijan Robinson. The offense is set up for the running game and uh, hopefully it'll be uh, a good season for him, but I'm he'd be my number one. Big low country scores pop, pop it in. Good to see you, my friend. We haven't talked in a while, so it's glad to good to see you back in the chat. Um, Bijan Robinson, I, I just kind of thought I, I like the idea. I think he should be one of the favorites for all the reasons you just mentioned. And you know, when we start talking about the Atlanta Falcons' lack of wide receivers, you gotta take that away and just start thinking of what are the pass receiving options. Mm-hmm. And Bijan Robinson is going to be one of those top guys. Uh, he could be one of those Sean Payton types. You know, when Alvin Kamara was at with the with the New Orleans Saints with Sean Payton, he had like four straight 80 reception seasons. That's that's a ton. That's a that's a ton of catches and puts so much pressure on the defense when you're swinging the ball out and getting him in space. And he's going to be so good at that. And then you've got Tyler Algier to just hammer it up the middle. So pass catching options. I think that might be the thing that puts him really as as the favorite according to points bet. Um, my favorite, I still right now would just go, it's hard for me if there's a quarterback out there that's going to be starting right away and, and should be competent. It's just such a quarterback driven league. And it's just, it's quarterback biased in the media. You know, mm-hmm. we, we talked about this two years ago, Nick. So I'm, my favorite would still be, uh, Bryce Young who came in at plus four fifty for the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, you've got a former quarterback as coach should help help ease him in not that he needs eased in he's kind of a you know a football savant he's just the big question around him is he's small mm-hmm. um but if he can get around that i think he should be fine you know we talked about it two years ago nick with mac jones when mac jones is oh he's a leader for rookie of the year rookie of the year. i'm like you guys are out of your minds this quarterback stuff is completely out of hand jamar chase is a top five wide receiver and Mac Jones is doing well for a rookie. Yeah, top 20. Yeah, <laughs> he's like 50. Well, that's really good for a rookie. I don't care. I don't yeah. care that it's good. Jamar Chase is good, period. You know, we're talking he should be all pro, but not going to win rookie of the year. Come on. So knowing that bias, Nick, it's hard for me to not pick a good quarterback. And I do believe that Bryce Young is a good quarterback. I think him and CJ Stroud probably have the best chances to come in and play early. Um, with Anthony Richardson, should he should shouldn't take him too long to get eased in. But your top five, Nick, Bijan Robinson at plus two fifty, Bryce Young at plus four fifty, Jameer Gibbs at plus six hundred comes in number three. Yeah, overall, I think that this they did a pretty darn good job with uh, how they ranked these guys. Like I said earlier, there's a clear and cut top two for me, and 
if it was all if it was all even, I take Bijan Robinson. But because I get better odds with Bryce Young comparatively with Bijan at plus two seventy five and Bryce Young at plus four fifty, I'd probably put my money on Bryce Young just because you're going to have better return on investment if you do win. I think it's pretty darn close to fifty fifty between those two, and the odds are not fifty fifty. So. Uh, and just between those two guys. But yeah, overall, I mean, it's pretty interesting to see uh, CJ Stroud then coming in third, Jamar Gibbs, same odds, and then Anthony Richardson, and then a big jump um, to uh, pretty much all the first round wide receivers uh, in this last draft class. So uh, out of those next few guys, honestly, I might end up taking Anthony Richardson. I know that Roger, uh, who's it in here that hates Anthony Richardson, Roger Coke. I can't remember uh, the, uh, Gosh, I cannot recall who it was, but Anthony Richardson is going to score a lot of rushing touchdowns this season, and he's going to be in a system where he's going to put up stats. I mean, they don't have incredible mm-hmm. wide receivers out there, so it's going to be the they're similar system. There, I think they're. I think the Colts receivers are a little underrated. I do. Um, After just Michael because Pittman, of what happened last year, but Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, uh, they've got a couple high mm-hmm. picks. I think their receivers are better than they get credit for. Not anyway. Yeah. Continue. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Alec Pierce didn't show me enough last year. I did like him coming out of uh, Cincinnati, but I, I digress. Yeah, I think the offensive system there and the opportunity for the rushing game, especially with Jonathan Taylor in the backfield as well, kind of forgotten about him, although running backs when they go, they kind of fall off a cliff and he had a lot of carries at Wisconsin. So maybe that's already come. Uh, but I think Anthony out of the next three um, on that list, if I was going to pick one, it would probably be Richardson just because I think the opportunity for statistical output is going to be quite high in a system that I believe is going to be really tailored around what he does well. Yeah, if he drops 2,000 yards passing and 800 rushing with 12 touchdowns on the ground, you know, he, he could have numbers as a running back that could end up being comparable to some of the the, the running backs that are out there. Um, you know, I took a long time ago, I took Michael Vick, you know, before people really understood fantasy. I'm like, well, he can't, his, his throwing numbers aren't good. I'm like, he rushes for 1,000 yards. <laughs> I don't care. He's a top five running back. And fantasy numbers. And and when you're talking about rookies of the year and these things, you're looking at stats. That's why linemen never win them. Mm-hmm. Um, you are looking at stats and make it easier to, to put those up. Um, oh, it's Kevin again, that doesn't like I it. think <laughs> Anthony Richardson will have a, a lot of opportunities with the RPOs and easy dump-offs and stuff to build up numbers. And he's he's a monster running the ball. I mean, 6'4", 250 pounds, running 4'4". RPOs with Jonathan Taylor, if that offensive line can be what they were supposed to be last year, Colts offense could be could be really good. Yeah, so out of those next ones, again, like I was saying, it's a, it's a statistical output position a lot of times, and especially if it's the flashy quarterback. And teams are going to be looking to fall in love with some of these young rookie quarterbacks. I mean, the NFL media is going to be looking to fall in love with some of these young rookie quarterbacks as well. So I would probably put uh, Richardson first just because the baseline of the athleticism I think is going to be big for him and I don't trust the infrastructure enough around um CJ Stroud to take him in this situation I mean I know John Mechie is going to be back Brandon Cooks is still there but is he there I like the offensive line but I don't know if I trust fully the system coaching staff there just yet and then you have Jameer Gibbs excited about Gibbs uh but I don't think he is going to be enough enough of an output player I think it's going to be the Bijan Robinson show he's in a better situation he's in one where there's going to be a much more what is it target share volume share for the offensive output, unless there's an injury, which I got knock on wood, but I think that I wouldn't even put Gibbs in the same conversation as Bijan for this rookie of the year odds. And it's close is the thing, you know, so is that one you short with Gibbs as the, as the number three, I think he might get a chance. So I'm kind of with Anthony on this. He says with Swift gone, Gibbs is going to get a lot of carries. 
And I, I'm, I, I'm with him on that. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity to be the, the number one guy coming in. Um, you know, when you start talking about Bijan Robinson, it is his ability to receive that I think will set him apart because they've got a thousand yard rusher returning. Who's good, you know, in Tyler Algier, but I think the, I think they ran the ball. God, I don't want to say 600 times, but I think it's 500 times last year. There's plenty of carries to go around. It might've been 600. I'll have to, I'll have to check out. There's plenty of carries to go around and the Falcons should have more offensive plays this year. They should have, you know, less three and outs. Um, unless you think they're more explosive and some of their 14 play drives end up seven play drives. But I, I think they should at worst be a similar amount of, uh, of total plays. Let me look that up here real quick, but I just think I agree with you on CJ Stroud. I, I just think, I think Bryce young and CJ Stroud potato potato for me. Who's, who's the better quarterback. It's close. I'm not going to argue with you. I, I think Bryce young's in a better situation. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Zach is correct here. That was uh, Cooks was traded to the Cowboys. So even map, map him off, uh, wipe him off the Houston Texans uh, depth chart there for C.J. Stroud. But uh, Scott, I was curious if you had any deep, deep sleepers. Um, you know, some people that the odds would be so long that you'd be like, you know, I'll sprinkle a little money here. And if it hits, I'm going to, you know, get a huge return. Well, what's interesting is you mentioned, um, you know, you like the odds on Bryce Young, you like him on Bijan over you. You would put your money on on Bryce Young because the odds are better. Mm-hmm. If you put a hundred dollars on Bijan Robinson or Bryce Young and Bryce Young, you'd win money if either one of them won it mm-hmm. because it would be plus two fifty. So you'd be two hundred down. If Bijan won it, you'd win fifty bucks. If Bryce Young win it, you'd win two hundred and fifty bucks. So uh, it's like why choose? Yeah. Why choose? Uh, Keith Brugman um, asks. This is this is a good question. Um, if Hendon Hooker gets his chance early, does he have a chance for offensive rookie of the year? I can't imagine them going to Hendon Hooker early on because they seem to really like Jared, uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, Jared Goff out there and he's still coming off an injury. No, they're saying he's going to be ready, but I think they're going to take it pretty easily with him early on. I guess there's, I mean, never say never, but uh, Hendon Hooker doesn't even reach the radar here of these top players. So I guess he's a deep sleeper um, that we're about to talk about on here, but uh, I would not, he didn't even cross my mind as somebody with the opportunity, Uh, but injuries happen. Things change. I think that'd be a long shot for him, Keith, just because as, as Nick was saying, you know, coming off that injury towards the end of last year, it'd be tough. Now it wasn't a shoulder, it was a knee, but you know, mobility counts and being able to plant and set and all those things uh, with your feet matters. I think that'd be tough, tough for him on that one. Um, as far as the Atlanta Falcons carries last year, yeah, and as Zach said, they, they said Hooker is a red shirt this year, which I think that makes sense as well. Um, the Falcons had 559 rushing attempts last year, so no wonder I couldn't remember if it was 500 or 600. It was dead smack in the middle of them. Uh, Zach Powers gives a good number. Uh, Devon A. Chain on the Dolphins roster is a dark horse. My question for him, super speedy. They're, they're putting together a track team down there in Miami. Will he get the touches? Will he, would he, will he get enough touches in order to beat out someone like Jameer Gibbs or Bijan, Rob, Bijan Robinson, who should have 250 touches this year? Yeah, I probably not. But just with the situation there in Miami, and that was actually going to be the first guy I brought up as far as what the situation looks like out there. But the running back room is not great. Uh, Raheem Mostert has not been great for them, more healthy. Jeff Wilson out there. And then you had Devon A-Chain 
who is Miami's first pick this year. Uh, so I think with the space he's going to have, I think Miami had some of the lightest boxes in the entire NFL last season because of the Tyree kill Jalen Waddle effect. So a chain's going to have a pretty good opportunity there from the players he's playing with and just the situation of the offense. And also Mike McDaniel is one of the better run game uh, minds in football. No offense to Arthur Smith, but Mike McDaniel also should be at least discussed in that situation for what he did as the run game coordinator for a number of years with the 49ers, learning under Mike Shanahan. So A-Chain is definitely one of the two dark horses I was considering for this this conversation here from some of these deep sleepers. Oh, I tell you one, one of my favorite guys out there, but I just think being on the same team as Bryce Young and too much uncertainty in the offense, it's Jonathan Mingo. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Mingo, 6'2 and change, 220 pounds. And I think he'll get the opportunity to touch the ball in multiple ways, um, not just as a wide receiver, but out of the backfield as well, or you know, at least bubble screens. Find ways to get him the ball. That if I'm looking at guys outside of the first round, one of the first names that jumped out to me was a second rounder, but the Carolina Panthers, I think that's too much because if you know, and Anthony coming, Anthony, you're you're running the show here for me today, man. He says, I like Jonathan Mingo and Jackson Smith and Jigba as a sleeper. I don't I don't call a first-round guy a sleeper. I'm having trouble even with a second-round guy as a sleeper. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of Mingo. But the thing is, what Mingo does will also be attached to Bryce Young. So 60 yards and uh, two touchdowns to Jonathan Mingo is 60 yards and two touchdown passes for Bryce Young. And it's going to go to the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba, we talk about the top five guys when the Jack- Jackson Smith and Jigba comes up a sixth, plus 120. Uh, Jordan Addison next and Minnesota Vikings, plus 150. Quentin Johnson, Los Angeles Chargers, plus 2,000. Zay Flowers, Baltimore Ravens, plus 2,000. And then Will Levis, plus 2,500. So there's your top 10 guys. And I, I wouldn't consider any of those guys to be deep sleepers listed there. Uh, but they definitely have a chance. Wide receiver is pretty tough, and this has not been – I mean, we've heard the NFL say many times that this is not a very impressive wide receiver draft at the cl- at the top. So I'm not – and they didn't draft him like they loved this class either, so I'm not putting my money on any of these wide receivers. As far as a next deep sleeper for me, this one's even deeper than the Devon A-Chain one, but it's somebody that I liked a lot, and I think the situation in the backfield is going to be ideal for him and the offense. Guess. Roshan Johnson. It's Roshan Johnson. Okay, yep. good. <laughs> yep. I Just looking at the depth chart here, I mean, the Bears have invested heavily in the – offensive infrastructure around Justin Fields and those RPOs, those quarterback keepers are going to keep linebackers guessing and the defensive line holding for just a second. And the running backs in front of Roshan are okay. Uh, but I don't think it's incredible. They signed Dante Foreman this offseason, who was pretty darn good for Carolina uh, short term, but Carolina signed him from like running a trucking company that season. So like he's, I don't think he's like a big time player. They drafted Cleo Herbert, but he was injured last season. So I think Roshan Johnson just, for the super deep sleeper there for how the bears offense is set up with the offensive line, the running game, how they can manipulate teams opposing defensive fronts is a, uh, is going to be a deep, uh, deep one. And Anthony uh, Evans has another really good one with Deuce Vaughn. I'm not a believer in massive outliers and Deuce Vaughn is a massive outlier, but with Zeke out there right now, and you have uh, gosh, Tony Pollard coming off of injury, there might be an opportunity for Deuce to do some stuff and prove some people wrong. So that's another really good call out. So Eric coming in. Good morning, Eric. Hope you are doing well. And um, Eric has uh, not one I would call a sleeper, but if I'm picking a wide receiver and I'm looking at opportunity and all of those type of things that you need to put up numbers, Zay Flowers for the Baltimore Ravens. 
kind of he's fourth on the wide receivers for the wide receivers it goes jackson smith and jigba then a pretty good drop off to jordan addison another pretty good drop off to quentin and then he's tied with quentin johnson zay flowers is zay flowers they're not exactly loaded with wide receivers up in up in baltimore they got a, they signed an aging odell beckham jr uh but zay flowers could be a guy that gets a lot of targets from the wide receiver position it's certainly possible. They have another first round pick at wide receiver who they're waiting on that was injured last season. Um, Bateman, I think, uh, from Minnesota, who's uh, had some good flashes out there as well. I just, I'm a, I'm a fan of Lamar Jackson, but I don't think it's going to be a high volume drop back pass game where there's enough targets to really be a mass, unless he's hitting home runs, you know, that Demarius Thomas, Calvin Johnson, you know, deep threat, which he could be. Um, but out of the running backs you listed there, the one that stands out to me is Jordan Addison. I mean, he's a route running aficionado and he has Justin Jefferson off of him. He's going to see single coverage all day. Uh, safeties are going to be shifted over to uh, Addison. I think Kevin O'Connell can do a great job of um, matching guys up out there. And I think that uh, Kurt Cousins, while not a great quarterback, is a good distributor and can really you know pad some wide receiver stats as we've seen with Justin Jefferson. So I know we weren't super impressed with Addison's overall athletic profile, but Dude gets open. Dude's a good route runner. He's smart in zone. And as a number two wide receiver with a little inside outside ability, I think that he's the wide receiver I'd be betting on out of this group of uh, list, the ones that we've listed here. Well, it'll be interesting. See, I think with those running offenses, see, I, I grew up when Paul Johnson was running. I'm not grew up uh, professionally because I was already old. Uh, Bill Curry was the coach at Georgia Tech. So in my recent past, Paul Johnson brought the, uh, the wishbone and option offense to Georgia tech from Navy. I think he was at Georgia Southern too. Anyway, doesn't matter. Their number one receiver, Demarius Thomas was one of those guys, you know, they'd throw for 2000 yards a season. Their number one receiver would have 1800 yards. So if you were the number one guy, why would you go there? Well, look how they use their one wide receiver. Uh, DT was one of those guys. And I think he had a 1,500-yard receiving type of year. So even though Lamar Jackson might not throw for 5,000 yards, he's going to throw for 3,000, 3,500. And Zay Flowers, I think, could get a good chunk of those. I think that's a good shout. I'm, 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 I'll be very interested to see how that one plays out. Uh, Zay, could be, Zay could be a beneficial of a bunch of targets there, the, a, a higher percentage of targets, even if not, which will help make up for the lack of volume of passing plays. Uh, from Baltimore coming in is Gary Palmer says good morning Scott Nick we appreciate you supporting the show Gary coming in with a, a super chat on YouTube and breaking the ice any questions obviously let us know um offensive line I don't care where they were drafted unless it was Orlando Pace um you know a, a number one overall type of guy is there any chance you know you get Broderick Jones in the Pittsburgh Steelers hype train. You know, I think if you're an offensive lineman, you got to be on one of those glamour franchises to have a chance. The Steelers count. You know, I think one of them went to Arizona. You know, sorry, nobody's going to give you a rookie of the year as a lineman in, in Arizona. It's just not going to happen. No offense any more than it's going to happen to Atlanta. I, it's just the way it is. <laughs> it's got to be Steelers, Cowboys, Packers, uh, Patriots. One of the One of the glamour teams. Is there any chance at all? that one nope. of these guys comes in and, and gets rookie of the year. Not a chance in hell, unless they switch positions and play quarterback and there's some like <laughs> rookie of the year level, crazy stuff happening. There's no way. I'm with you on that one. And I was thinking no matter how high they're drafted, I would consider an offensive lineman a, um, I'm trying to think if there's even one even listed here. They'd have to become, they'd have to come in with such pomp and circumstance 
uh, in the draft process as well to already be like, this guy's a God. And then he comes out and plays like right. a God out there. Like yeah, you've got to have that built up and, and there isn't there, you know, who are some of those? That's why I mentioned Orlando pace, you know, Orlando yeah. pace as a lineman went to the Heisman ceremony. And that's yeah. the last time I can remember something like that. It's probably happened since, but th that's the last one I remember that had that type of Q rating Hoop coming into the NFL. Hoopla. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's not happening. Um, Tristan Wirfs was arguably one of the best three offensive linemen of football with his rookie season. One of the top three offensive tackles, excuse me. And he wasn't even on the radar. So, I mean, that's, it's not happening. Pay not the guys. Happening. Just, just make sure he gets paid. And yeah, that's, you know, and that's, we talk about that every once in a while about, you know, what difference does it make? It's, if he gets 50 million or if he gets 55 million. Well, it's a, it's a respect thing, mm -hmm. you know, and the offensive linemen are completely disrespected, but they get paid. They feel more respect. <laughs> <laughs> also, you tell me I can give you a zero or five million. What's the difference? Like it counts. It all it all adds up. Yeah, it does. It does. Philip Hogginson coming in says, Good morning. Good morning to you, Philip. Uh, hope you are doing as well. Keith says, late as usual. Good morning, y'all. Well, we're glad you're here, Keith. Glad you're here. Um, let me see here. Uh we can move on towards the defensive side of the ball, too, Nick. That sounds good um, to me. One of the tight ends. If you had to pick one of the tight ends, where would you go? Because I think there's a possibility. Was it Dalton Kincaid with Buffalo, maybe? Yeah, that would be the only one that I would bet on just because he is such a receiving threat out there, and he's pretty refined uh, for his receiving prowess. Uh, still going to have some questions about the blocking long-term, but I could I don't, can't believe I didn't think of him. That's a great shout. He should be a dark horse as well, not making the top 10, but I think he's just as likely to end up the number one receiver out of this draft class, year one at least, as anybody. I mean, the opportunity is out there, the, what they're looking to do to add those weapons. I do wonder if Dawson Knox takes away some of that target share, some of that pie uh, for him where those targets are going to be distributed in that type of role of, in the offense. But Kincaid is a great call out. I can't believe I overthought. Him. <laughs> You're mad. Well, I, I and mad. again, I one. mentioned the, you know, to win those things, you either have to have crazy numbers or good numbers on a team that's getting a lot of attention. The Buffalo Bills are in our media darlings right now. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they get talked about as, you know, top four teams in the NFL, which probably makes them top four in the AFC. Um, so they're going to get that attention that he should be on in the national spotlight most of the year, which will help his case. Plus he's got a good quarterback and they're going to put up numbers and he can get his share. Uh, I think that was someone that when I was looking at that, I was like, cause again, when you're looking at the names, you're not just looking at the talent, you're looking at the opportunity, you're looking at the team they're with and, and how that makes sense. I'm like, okay, tight in here. Um, tight end, Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense to me. Yeah, that's a great call. Out. Uh, Chris get... Walker says Andrews being a major target could make flowers have a surprisingly good season. OBJ Andrews and flowers with the running game. Baltimore has starting to look kind of dangerous, isn't it? That could be an offense that gets defenses fits. If they still stay healthy, Munkin might be able to unlock, unlock that potential. So a lot of hemming and hawing in the offseason about Baltimore, but they're they're pretty much right where we expected them to be uh, come June, Nick. Yeah, and again, I would not count out uh, Rashad Bateman just yet out of those names because he was a first-round pick for them just two drafts ago or three drafts ago. So uh, he's one that talented player and uh, might be a part of that as well. Curious to see what happens in that running back room this season. I know J.K. Dobbins still another year off of that serious injury where he tore three ligaments in his knee, but... Uh, when you have Lamar Jackson, it's kind of like what we talked about with 
you know, Justin Fields, you have a chance to uh, not be the best running back in the world to have great opportunities. So that's a, that'll be a fun one. And Keith Brugman also says the dark horse is Jalen Hyatt. I just find it pretty hard for the wide receivers in this year's class. And Scott mentioned it uh, pretty well. Also that when Jamar chase doesn't win it against Mac Jones and Jamar chase arguably had the best rookie wide receiver season in NFL history. Uh, He's like 1500 yards as a rookie. I mean, he, he he was like top three or four. And he was the fifth overall pick. He was the fifth overall pick and the storyline with him and Joe Burrow. Like it's, I mean, I guess did Joe Burrow maybe take away from Jamar chase because it's about Joe Burrow instead of chase. I I don't know, but like, I, I firmly believe it was the new England Patriots, the glamour team, you know, it's the Patriots versus Bengals. It's quarterback versus wide receiver. Yeah. I'm not going to go any deeper than that. That's deep enough. <laughs> we, you and I got pretty mad on here about that. I'm just like, scratching heads. yeah, like what, what the hell is going on? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I was anybody that started talking about Mac Jones as being one of the leaders, not being one of being the leader for rookie of the year. I took issue with. Yeah. Um, now this becomes an interesting question for Falcons fans. The number two, Defensive player of the year rookie uh, odds on, on pointsbet.com is Jalen Carter. How would you feel about the Bijan? Let's say Bijan Robinson is rookie, offensive rookie of the year, but Jalen Carter is defensive rookie of the year. This is a fairly level-headed group in here, but we see how Twitter reacts. And the the what do you think the general feeling would be like? My opinion there will be some people that complain about everything. So mm-hmm. there will be a vocal minority that says we should have taken this guy, uh, premium position, all that type of stuff. I'm of the opinion, if you get good players, so be it. Mm-hmm. And if Bijan Robinson wins rookie of the year, then you're, you're happy with the pick, no mm-hmm. matter what Jalen Carter does. Number one on that list uh, at pretty good odds, Nick, is Will Anderson, defensive rookie of the year at plus 350. They and had the it wrong drops team almost uh, double that? that down to Jalen Carter at plus 550. I'm, I'm a little irritated at NBC, this article, because they have the Arizona Cardinals listed next to uh, Will Anderson there. But he was traded to – they traded that pick to Houston. So it should be the Houston Texans on there. Uh, but, yeah, he's he should be number one uh, going away. No, no question about that for me. So uh, that's a good one. After that, though, it's pretty tough. And I'm pretty curious to see all these defensive backs listed here. I know it was a really good defensive back class, and uh, we've had a – trend over the last like five six years where defensive backs have started to win rookie of the year but before that i went back like 30 years and there was no like no defensive backs that won these awards really it's got to be guys that get sacks yeah sacks or tackles they still love tackles uh out there for the votings you know if there's a rookie that can uh gathers you know 150 tackles you're like oh my god look at this guy he's incredible so there's a lot of especially in the uh 2000 to 2010s, a lot of that stack uh, middle linebacker position winning. Granted, you know, you had guys like Patrick Willis, Levante David, uh, Luke yeah, Keithley, there good, Back when the linebacker position was still cool. Yeah. So I think right now it is a uh, defensive line oriented position and they need to be able to get sacks and they need to have been a premium position, uh, premium draft pick most of the time as well. So Will Anderson seems like an obvious one for me, even though Houston isn't great uh, talent around him right now. He's just, he's been so impactful in a number of ways uh, that, he does stand out for me after that though. I mean, it's pretty hard for me. I Tyree Wilson. He was not really a giant sack getter uh, at Texas tech. You're betting on the traits there. It might take a little bit of time for him to really start to stand out. Uh, how often I, they, I really love the him playing opposite of Max Crosby, but I don't love the defensive tackle room there in Vegas. The cornerback room is maybe the worst in the entire NFL. So whether the opportunity looks like there, 
just looking at this room right now, I mean, Christian Gonzalez being out there in New England, New England's done a really good job with their cornerbacks. He might have an opportunity to do some stuff out there. And then uh, maybe this is me being biased, but if it is a statistical-based position, Jack Campbell just gathering 10,000 sacks and how much conversation was around Jack Campbell when he was drafted and then pushing the narrative like, oh, you guys all made fun of us that he was picked, what was it, 18 overall, and now he has 150 tackles on the year and our defense has turned around. I could see some real, you know, narrative being pushed out of Detroit and the NFL at large about the Lions overdrafting Campbell if he comes out and just has an unbelievable uh, statistical season. So those are ones that stand out to me. Roger Cook says, glad we missed on that potential disaster. Uh, Carter is in the best place for him and the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I'm a little surprised to see Jalen Carter second overall, to be honest with you. Um, Even just for position, you know, just because of where he plays on the interior defensive line, it's harder to rack up numbers. He could do a great job doing his job, Mm -hmm. but not stand out, uh, you know, on a spreadsheet somewhere, not have all of those flash plays. So, I would short that one, you know, so if it was, you'd have to bet $550 to win 100. That's, that's odd, but I would go that way. I would still go with the edges. I'd move Carter down simply just because of the positions for trying to win defensive rookie of the year. Same thing. We just talked about the offensive linemen, you know, our our offensive linemen, not important. No, of course they're going to be hugely important for this team. They're just not going to win the awards. Mm -hmm. Um, I would move up. I would move Carter probably honestly down behind Van Ness, hmm. I, I, which is instead of two, it would be one, two, three, four, five, six. Van Ness is sixth. I'd, I'd move him down behind there. I think eight sacks from a rookie edge is going to play a lot more than doing a really good job on the interior defensive line. Yeah. Unless you are, you know, putting up outlier type of statistics. Uh, the other thing about, and I saw maybe Zach Powers good, another good call out about Nolan Smith. The Eagles defensive line is so deep that you're going to, we saw it last year with Hassan Reddick, didn't really stop him down from getting stats, but there's going to be such a rotational of players that what does the opportunity look like overall? You're going to have, you're going to be fresh and you're going to be put in a good situation when you're out there, but uh, you're not going to get a high volume of plays to make a, a difference out there com- comparatively. One of those guys that finishes the season with 18 tackles and eight sacks. Yep. <laughs> but I mean, those eight sacks count for sure. Yeah. Um, let me see here. And, and Anthony, I think, kind of agrees a little bit with me. He says, I know Will Anderson's number one. I think he wins defensive rookie of the year. Dude is a beast. Tyree Wilson, number two for me with a wingspan and good motor uh, health is is something to watch for in there. I, I like Lucas Van Ness. I do. Um, and then, as Nick mentioned, with the recent – trending towards hey cornerbacks playing really well early is not easy uh that i i think it could, would be one of those corners before we see jalen carter i think jalen carter's odds are a little high i'd short i would short that one mm-hmm. eric comes and he says bulldog fans will forever be upset about not taking um jalen carter we will never hear the end of it if he gets defensive uh rookie of the year and and eric I, when i read this the first thing that i thought of was then they're not falcons fans you know, they're, they're Bulldog fans and that's mm-hmm. fine. I've got nothing wrong with that. I, I think of it this way when, how, uh, I'm a Chelsea fan, Chelsea football club. I've poured my fandom, my pros, my, my professionalism is, is NFL college sports is, is American football. So my fandom has had to find other outlets. And when Christian Pulisic 
goes to Chelsea, I'm rooting hard for him, but not at the expense of Chelsea. I was a Chelsea fan before Christian Pulisic was there. So yeah, I'm an American and I'm a fan of the American, but I still want my team to do well, regardless of what Christian Pulisic is doing. If he does well, that's just a bonus. If I'm going to not like a team anymore because of how they're drafting or not drafting, then I wasn't a fan to begin with. So those are Georgia Bulldog fans. Those aren't Atlanta Falcons fans. Uh, a smart marketer would try and bring them into the fold a little better than they have. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but those are those are first and foremost Bulldogs fans. And if I was a better marketer, I might say, hey, listen, if you like these guys equally, why don't we take the Georgia kid? You know, we've only got 2 million Georgia Bulldog fans within two hours of our stadium. How about we throw them a bone? No pun intended, uh, Nick. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call. I, you're the, the commenter is right though, about the Georgia fans being upset about not taking uh, Jalen Carter, but you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you draft good football players and Atlanta's good. Wouldn't care if they came from, you know, Wisconsin, whitewater, if you're drafting good players, Robbie red, come in and say, nobody talking about Devon Witherspoon. That's a good shout as well. Uh, again, what, it has been recent trend where cornerbacks are now starting to get a little bit of praise on that before it was a defensive line and linebacker uh, award. Cause those stats are easier to count when it comes to the cornerback room. They need to be, they need to have the stats. It can't just be they're holding te- other wide receivers to low yardage. No, they have to have plays on the ball. They have to have tackles. They have to have, of course, interceptions. So Witherspoon definitely has a chance. I'm curious to see what that defense looks like with him and Tariq Woolen uh, opposite each other. I still have questions about the spine of that Seattle defense defensive, tackle linebacker safety, but Devon Witherspoon and Tyreek Woolen have a chance to be arguably the best cornerback duo in football over these next few seasons. So that'll be a fun one to watch out. The one just circling around here though, talking about the stats, Manuel Forbes, number one, all-time leader in college football in pick sixes. They drafted him early because he had all the plays on the ball. Washington has a really damn good defensive infrastructure. That defensive line is deep and talented and Forbes is going to make plays on the football. So I'm curious if he's a got a chance again, pick sixes, the all-time leader in college football, all time in pick sixes. I mean, you got to at least consider Forbes in that one. So um, we were talking indirectly about Devin Witherspoon, Robbie. Um, Mm -hmm. When I mentioned Jalen Carter, I would move him down. That was the only one I really took issue with as far as this order. Um, On this list, we put it in the chat at the very beginning, Devin Witherspoon would then move to three. So, I didn't call him out on that, but if the, the order on, on points bet for odds is Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson, Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, Lucas Van Ness, I would honestly drop Carter down, which would move Devin Witherspoon up to three. If he's third, I think there are a lot of people talking about him uh, and he's someone to keep an eye on. We just didn't mention him by name. That's a good shout to, uh, to bring him out. So thank you. Um, Ade Ade as a sleeper pick. Ooh, talk about a deep sleeper, but I think, I think the rookie who led the league in sacks last year was the undrafted free agent from Jackson State. For uh, Detroit? Yeah, I think so. And I actually, he's friend of a friend, so I spoke with him before the draft and, and, and didn't, I was going to help him do some PR. And then... 12 weeks into the season, I'm sorting rookie sack numbers. I was like, holy cow, there he is. Um, so Ade Ade went down to the fourth, didn't he? Maybe yep. even the fifth? Fourth. He, yeah, he couldn't have gone past the fourth. Up to the Annapolis Colts, he will. He should get some playing time. They're going to play him inside. They've said they're going to drop him in as a defensive tackle. 
and then put big guys around him and let him use his quickness. Who are we talking about that seems very similar in that fourth, fifth round? Maybe a little short, super quick, tenacious. Remind you of anybody, Falcons fans? Grady, Grady, but Grady, Grady played Jer. one technique and nose tackle for Clemson. So it's, it was a little bit easier of a transition, uh, in my opinion. I, I get what you're saying, but I remember watching Grady like, this is a small nose tackle, but he's kicking everybody's ass. Yeah. Where Ade, you're moving in from edge to inside, which is a, yeah. a different game. Yeah, he was used to being inside where Ade's different. But as far as using, like, like I said, find a way to use his, if he's a tweener, find a way to use his pluses as his pluses. Yeah. Use him as the strength, which is strength is his quickness. And then, you know, put two jumbos on the other side of him or have, you know, your, your big package behind him, a, a, a big inside linebacker, let him be quick. Let him be a disruptor and not say, okay, you have to take on your job. Ade is I want you to knife into the backfield. I don't want you to try and take on two blockers right now. I want you to disrupt and we'll, we'll flow around you around mm-hmm. that disruption. And um, just to talk about that, just a little bit, Ade, Ade, just this one just came, came to me just now. I can't believe we never talked about this one, but the transition, even though the, athleticism and the size is looks good. It's not always easy because it's a different game inside and number three overall pick. um, I think it was six years ago now was somebody who played on the edge and because of the body type had to transition inside and ends up being a gigantic bust. Solomon Thomas um, had that smaller body type. He tested like a freak out there, but just a little bit more compact um, and didn't really uh, was able to play both ways. So that's one where it's not always easy uh still and fell the fourth round i can't believe we never talked about solomon thomas for that transition that makes a lot of sense as far as pumping the brakes and a a lot of times those guys are outside because they're soft yeah you know if they're big like that and you're playing them at edge it's because they couldn't it's like okay well you've got the body type of a defensive tackle the difference i think here with ade ade was he was a little undersized so they they kept him outside Mm -hmm. not necessarily that he he wasn't thought of as big enough to play inside as opposed to, all right, we put him inside and he's getting his ass kicked, but he is quick enough that we can have him do a job on the outside. It makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yep. You know, Demarius Thomas, may you rest in peace. He played cornerback in high school. He was a monster. He was 6'4", 215 pounds at a single A, double A high school. So he was the biggest guy on the field, one of them. And he played corner. You know why? Because in high school, he was soft. They got that out of him, and he turned into, hey, DT, you're, you're, you're the biggest, baddest guy out here. Be the biggest, baddest guy out here. But that can sometimes happen with a guy like Solomon Thomas. There's a reason why he didn't stick inside. It's because – and that's just me spitballing on that. So <laughs> – Keith with another shout. I'll go with Joey Porter, Porter Jr. for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Maybe I, he just had so few plays on the football that I have a hard time with it, but he does have the pedigree in the name that if he has a good season, teams are going to be excited. Uh, people are going to be excited to vote for him and the team yep. and the team. Again, the Steelers are one of those teams that they're going to get plenty of attention and Keith at plus 2,600 drop a 10 spot on it. It's worth it. We'll pay you over two bills for that one. It's plus 2,600. Um, and Chris has kind of following up what I said. Falcons fans who are also Bulldogs fans are frustrated that Falcons hardly ever picking Bulldogs. And I get it. I know. I, I wrote it up. I think you saw, Chris, um, at just how poor they had been at taking guys that are close. You know, you don't have to take one every year or build your whole team around it. What the Philadelphia Eagles have done is a little – it's it's an outlier. That doesn't happen very often. But one of those guys um, – you know, you're passing on Heinz Ward for 
some guy down in Miami, I think, that was meh. I mean, it, it goes way, way, way back. I, I know. And like I said, a better marketing person should do a better job of integrating the huge fan base in this state into the Atlanta Falcons fan base. I get it for sure. Uh, Marlon, welcome in, Marlon. Appreciate you being here. He says, would Carter be a good fit in Atlanta as a question? That was a question. I think it was a risk. Uh, there was obviously a risk there. Not knowing all of the information, Jalen Carter would have been my pick. You know, based on the talent, the what we know publicly, and that he was available in the position, I would have taken him there at eight. Just because it's for all the reasons I just mentioned. We don't know all of the stuff that went on behind. If I'm the Atlanta Falcons, I'm probably dropping about a half a million dollars in private investigators before every draft. Um, it's I'm dropping, you know, Bijan just signed his $22 million contract. Putting half a million into private investigators is chump change. It's, it's a good mm -hmm. investment. And whatever mm -hmm. they dig up and they decide, hey, listen, this is too big of a risk for where our team is right now. Bijan Robinson was the safest pick in this draft. No doubt in my mind. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I mean, running back still, the injury probability is pretty high. Uh, that one, you have a short time period. It's uh, the surest thing to get early impact, but it's also the one with if you don't hit, it hurts the most because it's it just getting the safest. Like I said, but he was about as sure thing as being a good productive player as you were going to find in this draft. I, I, yeah. I believe that. I agree. I think. I'm just viewing the risk with a slightly different perspective than you, mm -hmm. because if you're taking a running back top eight, if he doesn't end up a perennial all pro conversation, it was a miss where if you take an edge rusher and he just ends up being a B plus level edge rusher, that's, that's okay. there, given the impact and the quality and, uh, just yeah, but if he ends up Jamal Anderson, who was, then, I think a yeah. number eight pick then, you know, and then you're He's, throwing him out there because he was your number eight pick and he stinks. Yep. You know, there's, you there's risk everywhere. Yeah. Everybody's got a risk. And as far as what player is going to produce for you, who's going to be the safest pick I could make to produce for my football team? I think Bijan Robinson was a safe A pick as you could find out there. So we're going to hop out of here in just a, uh, in just a couple minutes. Um, hit want to hit on the chat real, real quick and, Ryan Adonis, come in. Appreciate you coming in, Ryan. Good to see you. He says, everyone has to understand if you're going to spend millions on a player and that player doesn't care about football or has a drug problems or off the field problems, it's a huge risk. Again, they used to call it in, in, uh, in college, uh, uh, team rules. This player suspended for the game. Um, you know, undisclosed team rules violation. Yeah, drug test. That, that's what they all were. That never happened with Jalen. Um, you know, and I don't know, like I said, I don't know Jalen Carter enough to know what how big of a risk he actually is i know what the reward is i know what the ceiling is but i don't know what the risk was and, and the falcons i don't think are in a position where they could take a big risk with their number eight pick they need to hit on this one and like i said i think they went with the safest the safest one aki asks um does Bijan have a neat as neat a dance as jamal anderson did i won't be surprised if he does a dirty bird at least once he does yeah. the does the old dirty bird at least once um before uh before his his falcons time is all said and done wouldn't be shocked at all but uh wrapping it on up here scott i think that overall if i was betting on these odds that we have right now i'd put money on bryce young uh giving you a little plus return if i don't if i could only bet one i'd bet mm -hmm. bryce young because i have him and Bijan neck and neck and 
get better odds with Bryce. And then I would put on Will Anderson. I just think the there's not really somebody that I trust with the statistical output from this crop of players that it's going to be as much of a have as high of a floor um, as Will Anderson. So I don't know if there's any. Oh, and dark horses on the defensive side of the ball. Mentioned it earlier. It's one that you know stats matter. And I think linebackers matter as well. The Broncos, if for some reason injury happens and Drew Sanders gets a chance to start, I could see him racking up an unbelievable amount of uh, stats and Mm -hmm. tackles and could be one that's a super dark horse. Now, again, this is just me being a Bronco fan with the, I'm this close to that situation. So that's Mm -hmm. one reason why, but a lot of people thought he could be linebacker one and he's been, apparently was just unbelievable in rookie minicamp. If he gets a chance, I could see him accumulating a lot of tackles and that gets some buzz. And cranking that hype machine early counts. And if Russell Wilson and Sean Payton start winning some games, the Denver Broncos will be in the national spotlight. Mm-hmm. Yep. Smart Ride comes in. He says, passing up on UGA players goes back farther than this. Our scouting department needs to be revamped. Uh, Smart Ride has been revamped. Um, that said, I agree with you. I think I just mentioned a guy who played in 96 when I was talking about it. If you go back and look at who the Falcons, when they passed on Heinz Ward, they took a receiver. I think Akeem Dent is like the only uh, Bulldogs player that they've ever taken above like the fourth round ever. I I had to go back. I put the numbers up and I was like, oh my God, I I really, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe how much they had ignored of passed over Georgia players in the history of this franchise. I was shocked. Um, A Georgia player. I was pissed when they took Keith Brooking over to KO Spikes. And then the 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 national media starts saying, "Oh yeah, they're really throwing a bone to the 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 local fans there, taking local boy Keith Brooking." I'm like, "Are you joking? There's no Georgia Tech football fans in Atlanta. There's more Auburn fans here." Takeo Spikes, who played high school football in Georgia, would have been a better pick. So I'm I'm with you on this one. And um, just real quick, talking about you know hometown teams not drafting hometown players, I think you, so. It must be an NFC South thing. Because I think I read that Clemson has never won, or excuse me, South uh, Carolina Panthers have never once taken a Clemson player, which is just well, crazy. The thing is, is the because of the lack of good NFL football in the South for a hundred years, the the de facto sidewalk fan teams have been college teams. Mm-hmm. It's been Alabama Crimson Tide, the Georgia Bulldogs, Tennessee Volunteers. The Falcons didn't start playing down here until the late 60s. And then they were a joke of a franchise until really Arthur Blank took over. Had a spurt here and there, but one winning season in the 80s. So, and then with the influx of, you know, people that moved to Atlanta as a transient town, it, it, it was a college football. Your, your, your NFL team was your college team. That was, you weren't a Packers fan. You were a fan of Alabama Crimson Tide. You weren't a New York Giants fan. You are Tennessee Vols, and that, that's just the way it is. So when you pass over those guys, it stands out more than it does in other areas of the country where, you know, even the Cleveland Browns, if you talk Ohio State or Cincinnati Bengals, Columbus is right in between Cleveland and and, um, and Cincinnati. Those are the Browns and the Bengals. Now, Ohio State's huge, but those are Browns and Bengals fans. You know, there's, there's much more tradition there. You're not going to – you're not going to a Falcons game, you know, with four generations of of Kennedys until recently. So you you were doing that with the Georgia Bulldogs, I promise you that. Yeah. On that note, we are going to get out of here. Um 
appreciate everybody for checking in. Hit a like on your way out if you don't mind. Be a, do us a, a big favor. And if you have any questions or anything, um, leave them in the comments afterwards. We, we're always sure to check them. Nick and I will be back on Monday? Tomorrow. I mean, not, I mean we'll be on Yeah, but Broncos. we'll be back on this channel yeah. on Monday. And then we're probably, once we hit June, we're probably going to move the schedule around just a little bit. We will be back Monday Monday. At 9 a.m. on these channels, and we'll be back tomorrow on Mile High Huddle at 9:30 a.m. Central. So, appreciate you for joining us. And uh, like I said, any questions or anything, hit us up in the comments after the afterwards. And Nick, any final words, and we'll say goodbye. Ah, no final words. Just uh, been enjoying the off season. Obviously, things are going to start to slow down a little bit in the summer, and my schedule is definitely going to be a lot more erratic as I hit up the uh, the national parks that I'm rocking today on my hat a um, bunch of different spots out there but uh excited for the summer and uh, we'll still have plenty to talk about and if you guys have anything that you're dying to talk about as well something you think is pertinent to Falcons Broncos NFL at large hit us up on Twitter uh you know we can we'll give you a shout out obviously and be like hey today we're gonna talk about this for you know 20 minutes and we can really peel back that onion that's what's great about these shows is we can communicate with you guys you're as much of the conversation and prompting us forward as a uh, Scott and I p- pinging off each other so we appreciate that. It's it's not, excuse me, us. You're over here because it's flipped. But it's <laughs> which way that those guys too over on the uh, the chat. So appreciate that. Make sure um, thank you everybody coming in and contributing today. The conversation. Anthony Evans was big time for us. Roderick Coke, of course. Aki Dragon always with the clever quips. Chris Walker, Kevin Gray, Ryan Adonis, good to see you. Ryan, Michael Ronquillo, of course. Zach Powers, always with the great comments too. So you guys and are Gary great. Palmer, and, thank you for the super chat. And Gary, the guy. Thank you so much, Gary. You're all killer. If I didn't name you, I think we still definitely appreciate you coming in and hanging out and uh, chatting with us today. All right, y'all. Appreciate you being here. We'll see you Monday unless we see you tomorrow over on Mile Huddle. Have a great week, everybody.